Greetings. Welcome to the I'm Excited podcast. I am your host, David Hicks. I am extra excited today because I have a praise to share with you. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I'm wearing the pray, hashtag pray for Jay t-shirt. Uh, many of you who've been following these podcasts and videos regularly know I'm talking about Jackson Igoe, uh, a young man, 19 or 20, please forgive me, his exact age escapes me right now, but he has been suffering in a hospital with Crohn's disease for months and months and months. And really the, the battle, the trial he's been through has stretched over years. And so for the first time in a very, very long time, he is back at home. He, he gets around in a wheelchair, but he is resting at home. And so. I just wanted to give a public praise and thanks to God for that. If you've been praying for him, by all means, please continue to keep praying for him. The doctors are saying they're going to need to remove his gallbladder at some point here. Let's be praying that God heals it. And that's an absolutely not necessary. So, but I just wanted to share that with you because I know some of you have been keeping up with this and it's just fantastic news that he is finally, after so many months, back at home. All right, so we're on this series about uh, what is hell, God's wrath, and the judgment to come. What are they? What are they all about? Why why do they even exist? And so we're trying to delve into these questions, do a deep dive into this subject, because for many reasons, God talks about it, Jesus talks about it, his followers talk about it, people hear about it, Satan lies about it. And unfortunately, including myself on this, we as his believers now tend to avoid the subject at all costs. And so I know I struggle with that voice of cowardice within me that I have to let go of. And I have to confront these subjects and present them to others. And so that's a major reason for this series. So what have we talked about so far? Well, the the anchor on which we're, uh, how shall I say, trying to keep ourselves within place is that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. In the things that we read, we've read and that we're going to, to read about today and going forward, we need to remember that God has provided a deliverer from his anger, from his fierce anger that we're going to talk about today. And that is Jesus. So we need to put our trust in him, follow him, learn to obey him, and uh, and know that he will deliver us from the wrath that is coming. All right, so what is the source of this extreme anger of God, this indignation of God? Remember, indignation is anger aroused by something unjust, unworthy, or mean. And so where does it come from? Well, the, you can call it the ultimate irony or whatever you want to call it, but it, it comes from his love, his deep, unmeasurable love for righteousness, for the suffering. Uh, we looked at a specific example of God's passion for the fatherless and the widows in our last, uh, last podcast, last segment. And we saw how he warned the nation of Israel, when you oppress the fatherless, when you oppress widows, my wrath will be you know, stirred up. I'm going to get hot angry. 
And your wives will be the ones who become widows. Your children will be the ones who become fatherless. And so there's just this principle that if you love something, if you love uh, something, someone, some group, then you're going to hate what opposes it. There's no way to have a, a passionate fervor about one thing and then just be casual, nonchalant, have no feelings whatsoever about what opposes it. You can't you know, love justice and, you know, also love injustice or, you know, not be bothered by injustice. And it works the opposite way as well. When you're hot, angry against the oppression of the poor, then when people show mercy and kindness and love to the poor, it's going to excite you. It's going to be something that you love. And so the, the phrase I kind of use to, to solve that up is if you love love, you're going to hate hate. And God's highest value is love. And so the last thing I want to point, I think a key point to remember that we've been discussing is God is open and honest about his wrath. He's not trying to hide his, hide it from us. He's trying to warn us about it so that we will take heed and obey and so that we won't go down the paths that lead to his anger. We need to, as I expressed it in, our, in the very first lesson in the series, we need to learn and embrace the values of God, the ways of God, because those are the ones that do not serve his anger. Those are the ones that demonstrate his love, and we need to demonstrate that same love. All right, so that's that's kind of the review section. All right, so let's dive into the new things. Now, what I've, where we left off in our last podcast, the last video, I was trying to say that not only is God open and honest about his wrath, Jesus is open and honest about it as well. We're going to see that open and honesty in Matthew chapter 18. That's where we'll begin and we'll also see another example of how if you're if you you know value one thing then you're going to be opposed to what opposes that value your anger is going to be stirred up when it comes to things that are against that value in this case it's the value of children the value of children so Matthew chapter 18 we'll begin at verse 1 at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. 
It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. All right, so God talks, Jesus talks about several things here. Now, he highlights the importance of children and the importance of being childlike. We need to have the humility of children among other properties of children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, in order to be in God's kingdom. And so that's why Jesus says, whoever receives, uh, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in God's kingdom. And he goes, and then he turns around and says, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. How we treat children is how we treat Jesus himself as far as he's concerned. He, other things that he said that shows and demonstrates God's value of children is how bad it is to lead children into sin. To cause children to sin, to put stumbling blocks in their ways, things over which they will trip on their journey toward God, on their journey toward Jesus. The, the concept being when they trip over these things, they'll cease to pursue God and his son. Jesus said you might as well have a millstone, a huge, big, heavy stone tied to your neck and you throw it into the sea and drown that way. That would be better than to lead children into sin. And unfortunately, in this generation, it feels like we are we are leading children into sin more than has ever been led before. I can't get off on that tangent right now. Other things that highlights God's passion for children, the angels that take care of children, they're angels that are of such importance, they always get to see the face of God himself. The implication being there, not all angels are that, uh, get that privilege. But the ones who take care of children, that's how important they are. There are those angels are of more power and importance than the ones who take care of those of us who are adults. That's how passionate God is about children. And he winds it up with, if God doesn't want one little child to perish, to be lost, to grow up, to not know him and not follow him. Children of every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, God wants them all to be saved. 
That is God's desire. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. Now, in the midst of this, I'm sure you caught on. Jesus' stern warnings about the everlasting fire, about hell. Now, this podcast isn't dedicated to that subject. And Jesus talked about extreme things here. I mean, he literally talks about cutting off body parts. We'll discuss that more in depth in another podcast, another video. Uh, Please be patient with me. We'll get to it, okay? The, The short gist of it is, Ah, how shall I say? Well, I just can't get into it right now and stay focused on this lesson. So please, I would understand. I will cover it going forward. Now, so hearing all this passion that Jesus has for children, that God has for little ones, let's look at a story that makes perfect sense. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Then they, that is uh, mothers, parents, brought young children to him, that is Jesus, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So what do we have here? People are bringing their children to Jesus that he might touch them and bless them. The disciples are are thinking Jesus too high and mighty to be of too much importance to spend his time with little children. He's the master teacher. You know, these are these children can't even understand what he says. They're not valuable. And Jesus, of course, because we just read of all God's passion for children, of course he's displeased, greatly displeased. He's mad at his disciples. And he rebukes them. And he says, let the little children come to me. For as such is the kingdom of God. We've got to... Um, we've got to receive the kingdom of God as a little child. I I think another property that, you know how children will believe pretty much anything you tell them? They have this ability to have just pure faith. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to demonstrate it. Unfortunately, you know, as adults, we often take advantage of that and play pranks on them or kid them or whatnot. But that's the kind of faith that we need to have when it comes to receiving the kingdom of God, when it comes to receiving the good news about it and how we can be citizens of it through faith, repentance, baptism. And so uh, we need to be like children. And so Jesus was greatly displeased. And it's just a beautiful picture of him taking the children up in his arms, putting his hands on those children and blessing them. It makes perfect sense. He, Jesus and God value children. He doesn't like it when we devalue them 
and he hates it when we turn them away from him, from the Father. So that's another example about Jesus being open and honest about God's wrath and about how when you value one thing, you're going to hate what opposes it. And that's the source of the wrath of God, the wrath of Jesus, their anger, their intense anger. All the things that they're passionate about stir up within them anger, uh, stir up the things that oppose their values, stir up anger within them. All right. So how strong is God's anger anyway? Seem to be kind of a natural question here. We're reading about horrifying things. How bad does God's wrath get? Well, God's wrath, his anger, is often described as fierce. We'll look at an example of, of God's anger being stirred up, of him being ready to be moved to action because of that anger. This is Exodus chapter 32, and we're going to read verse 1 to 14. Now, to, uh, to give you the context God has appeared to the nation of Israel. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He had Moses. They crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptians, uh, the Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. God leads them to Mount Sinai. He appears to them, speaks the Ten Commandments to them, to where everybody can hear it. And now Moses is on the mountain getting those same Ten Commandments written down on tablets of stone. He's been on that mountain for 40 days when the this happens. The nation of Israel, the people of Israel, have been waiting at the base. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron, that's Moses' brother, Aaron, and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned with it an engraving with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, let's put a little asterisk by that word play there, because part of this adult play was engaging in sexual immorality. That was often associated with the worship of other gods. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. 
and that I may destroy them, in other words, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, other translations, your fierce anger and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. All right. Fierce anger. Fierce wrath. Fierce the definition is having an intense aggressiveness. That's a kind of a bridged version of the Oxford de- definition. Having an intense aggressiveness. And that's what you see from God. God is livid. His first commandment of the Ten Commandments that the whole nation of Israel heard was that they were not to build, you know, make other gods. They're not to worship them. They're not to make these idols that they ended up fashioning here. And so he was hot angry. And his plan was to wipe out the entire nation of Israel except for Moses. And just like God did with built an an entire nation out of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God was going to redo it, start over, and remake the nation of Israel through the descendants of Moses. But Moses pleaded on behalf of the people. He he appealed. There's a lot to learn from here. This this the way Moses approached the Lord and how he handled the situation and how he appealed to the values of God. There's a lot to learn from here. I mean, for one thing, Moses talked about how the Egyptians, from whom they had not long ago been delivered from slavery, how they would perceive it. The Egyptians would think God brought them out of the wilderness just to kill them. And so they wouldn't understand God's wrath here. They wouldn't understand what God was up to. They would misunderstand the Lord, and that would make it even harder for them to ever come to faith in the Lord. It would end up, because of man's inability to understand what God was doing, causing harm to the name of God, is what Moses was saying. And so that's one way he appealed to the values of God. He also called to mind God's promises to the forefathers of the Israelites, Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, whom God changed the name of to Israel. And God, Moses called to mind God's promises that their descendants would be as many as the stars in heaven, that he was going to give to them the land to which they were headed, the land of Canaan. And so God listened to Moses. God's flexible in his plans. God knows his destination and he can get there in a variety of ways. 
And so he relented. He listened to Moses. And for his own name's sake, if for anything else, he decided not to go with a plan that he had first formulated in his anger. But you can see the the how fierceness came is an apt fierce is an apt word to describe the anger, the wrath of God having an intense aggressiveness. Looking at how much we have left to cover and knowing about how much we've spent in this podcast and this video, my heart is moved and choir of God has moved me to decide to stop here and we will pick up there next time. We will continue looking at how strong God's anger is. But know that there is hope because one of the things we'll also see is that as strong, as fierce, as intense, as immeasurable as the wrath of God is, his love is more intense. It is greater. It is stronger. It is more immeasurable, if you will, than his wrath. And so we will look at these things in the the podcast to come. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. May God bless you as you seek to know him. And may you be able to take what you learn about him and share it with others. Thank you for listening.